Well, we continue with our series on soil samples. We've had a couple weeks into this, and um, the reason why I am motivated to share uh, the parables uh, dealing with the, the uh, parable of the sower in the seed is because we are living in a difficult time, a time where we're challenged, a time where God's word may not be and has not been received as it has perhaps in the past, a time where God's word is put aside, a time where God's word is uh, uh, not penetrating every heart. But you and I are sowers. You and I have a responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ in sharing the goodness and the principles and the love of God's word. As we look at uh, this particular subject in the parable of the sower, it concerns a sower who scatters seeds. And some may think, well, he's pretty careless uh, in the scripture. It seems like the seeds are flying everywhere. Well, that's true of us. We never know where a seed is going to take hold. Last week, we looked at uh, the life of Aggie Flood Hurst. And as we looked at her life, we saw that uh, it looked like a whole lot was not being done on the mission field in the Belgian Congo. But God used her family. One seed took root and it multiplied, as the scripture says. When we look at this parable of the seed in the sower, you find that there are four different types of soil that's represented. First of all, this parable is found in the book of Luke. It has a very strong salvation emphasis as you read it in Luke. In the book of Matthew, it is found and it deals a lot with Christian character. We are looking at the text from the book of Luke where we see that there's a great emphasis on the word of God and how it takes root in an individual's life. The parables are not found in the book of John because he lists no parables in that book. But the parable of the sower and the seed, it concerns the type of ground that the seed falls upon. Let me remind you of those types of ground. The first type that is mentioned is that of the hard ground, or it's referred to sometimes as the path, or it could be referred to as the wayside. That as the sower spreads the seed, it falls on the hard ground, and the hard ground prevents the seed from sprouting at all, and the seed becomes nothing more than bird food. The birds love it. They can pick it up and plug it from the top of the soil. The hard ground represents someone who is hardened by sin. That individual, he or she, hears but does not understand the word, and Satan plucks the message away, keeping the heart dull and preventing the word of God making any impression upon an individual's life. The second soil that's mentioned in this parable is the rocky soil, or what is referred to sometimes as a stony ground, easy for us to identify with living in the state of Missouri. It seems like wherever you dig with your shovel, you're going to hit a rock. But the rocky or the stony ground provides enough soil for the seed to germinate and begin to grow, but because there is no depth to the roots. The depthness of the earth, the plant does not take root and it soon withers when the sun beats down on the plant. The stony ground pictures 
a person's heart, he or she, a man or a woman who professes delight in the word of God, and they're excited about it. However, their heart is not changed, and when trouble arises, that so-called faith quickly disappears. The third soil that is mentioned is that of the thorny ground. It allows the seed to grow, but the competing thorns choke the life out of that beneficial plant, that plant that has been put in the ground expecting a harvest. The thorny ground depicts a man or a woman, one who seems to receive the word, but whose heart is full of maybe riches. Perhaps the heart is filled with pleasure. There could be lust, sinful uh, situations, and the things of this world, they take time and attention away from the word of God. And this particular soil ends up having no time for the word, and therefore it dies out. The fourth soil is that of the good ground. I pray that that would be the soil that my life has taken root in or your life. The fact that you're listening today, the fact that you're here, the fact that you are on your computer somewhere, hopefully that represents the truth in your life that you are in good soil. You receive the seed. You're producing fruit. The good ground portrays the one who hears and understands the word of God and allows God's word to accomplish its results in your life or my life. The the man or the woman who represents the good soil is the only one of the four who is really truly saved or has that commitment to Jesus Christ because salvation's proof is fruit. And I pray that you and I are producing fruit. So a parable is a story or an illustration that uh, delivers a message. And we see Jesus uses parables often. Matter of fact, from this point on in the New Testament, Christ used parables more often in a way to teach. Parables were very easy to remember because Jesus would use familiar scenes. He would use objects. Parables included hidden messages that needed further explanation often. And the the other thing is, is that the hidden meaning challenged people to ask questions and allow Jesus Christ to speak to the unbeliever. And from parables, another point is that the enemy of Christ could find no direct statements to use against Christ. When he shared a parable, it was a way of sending a message. The truths of Christ look very different as seen from within. In other words, the truth of Christ, you and I as believers see them very different from the people of this world and how the people of the world interpret the things of Jesus Christ. One of the great uh, blessings in my life and my wife's Life is that we have had opportunity to travel, as many of you, in many places in this world. We have traveled, and as we traveled, my wife is often intrigued, and she gets me to go into cathedrals. 
and we go into cathedrals and we look at stained glass windows that are so beautiful, whether it be in Paris or Germany or Scotland or Brazil or Belgium or throughout Europe. The windows that are on the screen right now are windows that were designed by Marc Chagall. These windows were found and we looked at them in a hospital in Jerusalem, the Hadassah Hospital in Jerusalem and Israel. And there are 12 of these windows, if I remember correctly, and they represent the 12 tribes of Israel. From the courtyard or from outside the building, <clears throat> they don't look like much. But boy, when you go inside a cathedral and you look out through the glass, what a story they can tell you. And this parable, as I look at it and I think about it, it can be compared to stained glass windows of some of these great cathedrals. Because one who stands outside and looks at the, <clears throat> the windows see much. But from the inside, they are rich with beauty. And as you're outside, you can't understand the, me the meaning because they look like a sheet of dull patched glass. But you stand within and the meaning is transformed. The lines, the figures, the lettering, the shades and the touches of the fine color and the loveliness of these windows touch your heart. It is true as believers when we look at a parable, we know that Christ's illustrations, he makes it clear that the believers can understand. But those who are unbelievers, sometimes it can be quite difficult. The truth of the gospel may not be attractive to those on the outside, to the person who walks the streets in Tibet or to the individual that may live in our neighborhood or to the to the leaders of our country or our world or to other individuals, the things of the gospel, they see no beauty in them from the outside. To human wisdom, the gospel to some is foolishness, makes no sense. Many people make fun of the faith that you and I illustrate in our lives. There are people that put down the faith of others, people that mock it. And there are those who talk about leaning on an unseen God or clinging to, the, clinging to the promises of hope in the scripture. They see that as nonsense. They view from the outside. These are the individuals that many of us have been called to be sowers and to touch the hearts of those that are around us. Sometimes we don't understand. We get frustrated. Even it could be some family members. They see the things from the outside, not as we see them from the inside. But once you enter the family of God, transformation, change takes place in the heart. What seems to be foolish now appears to be the highest wisdom that we could ever plant within our minds or the highest wisdom we could ever experience to the point of singing and praising God and saying, we will exalt you. That every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. What we used to laugh at or what others may laugh at now seems to be worthy of the highest admiration that we could ever illustrate or give in our lives. Only those who have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and are faithfully following him 
can really understand the wonder of his love, the wonder of his healing touch, the wonder of his influence upon our lives. So with that in mind, let us look at this scripture that's found in Luke, the eighth chapter, and let us look at these verses four through 15. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to follow along, whether you're here in this room or at home. Please look at God's word. The scripture says, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky grounds, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Others fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seeds fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has an ear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of this parable. The seed is the word of God, and those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word without joy or with joy. And when they hear it, but it will not or they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that falls among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are checked by life's worries, riches, pleasures. They do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and persevere and produce a crop. The Lord says, he who has an ear, let them hear. So as we look at this word, may it touch our hearts that God has given us ears to listen to his word. And to summarize the point of the parable of the sower, what we see here is a man's reception of God's word is determined by the condition of his or her heart, which causes us to think, how is our heart today? Do you identify with any of these four soils? What is your life? What is my life like? A secondary lesson would be that salvation is more than a superficial time, or although it's quite joyful, hearing of the gospel changes a life. But someone who is truly saved will go on to prove it, that there'll be fruit. And my hope is, is that our faith and our lives exemplify the good soil of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is alive in your life and Jesus Christ is active in your life. Sometimes the word falls on deaf ears as it's explained in this parable. And the ears are so hard as the pathway that is packed down until it's like concrete. And such people hardly hear what Jesus has to say to them. The scripture that we look at today 
we see that the wayside here, or the one that's on the path, is one that perhaps despises the word of salvation. It doesn't take place. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Do you ever have conversations around your house about hearing? <clears throat> Maybe you're blaming your spouse. You're blaming a family member. They're just not listening. They're not hearing. Because today, hearing is a problem for many people. A middle-aged man was distraught over his wife's stubbornness and refusal to admit that she had a hearing problem. And one day he asked his family doctor, he said, Doc, what can I do about my wife? You know, she's just not hearing, and he's convinced that his wife has a problem. The doctor promptly told him that when he would go home, this is how you can confirm the problem. Opening the front door, and from the front door, ask your wife what's for dinner. And then the doctor said, if she doesn't answer, you don't hear a reply, move a little closer to the kitchen and repeat the question again. And if she still doesn't answer, move right up to her and whisper in her ear, what's for dinner, honey? In this way, the doctor assured him that she would have to admit, I got a problem. So the man, he, he races home. He opens up the front door. And man, he's got joy in his heart. He's going to do a hearing test that he doesn't have to pay for. And so he opens up the front door and he says, what's for dinner, honey? He asks the question. He hears no reply. He moves a little closer to the kitchen. And again, he says, what's for dinner, honey? Again, he hears no reply. When he looks in the kitchen, sure enough, she's there working in the kitchen. So he tiptoes over to her and he whispers in her ear, what's for dinner, honey? Immediately, she turns and she looks straight at him and she says, for the third time I said we're having spaghetti. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> who's hard of hearing? That's the way usually those family uh, arguments go. Some people are like the seed along the wayside where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes along and steals that word from the individual. The wayside soil is beaten down by the feet that continue to go by on it. And uh, a, a moment ago, I had a photo up here of, of Israel and the type of soil that's in Israel. And be easy, so easy for these individuals to understand. Or what about the trail that you walk on? What about where you ride your bike or the ATV where it packs down the soil? The soil is first soft and then the soil hardens as you drive over it more and more it becomes like rock and so is the human heart the human hearts trodden over by thousands of influences in this world and man there is a lot of them out there today and many of the things that were not even spoken of or acceptable even five years ago it seems like it's the norm it's acceptable and you and I, as sowers of the gospel, must hold firm in what is right and what is wrong. 
And sometimes it falls on deaf ears. But there's thousands of influences as life goes on. And often they, the heart grows like that beaten pathway. And one way in which human hearts are hardened is by resisting the good impressions of God's word. Another way is by life's ordinary experiences treading over us and passing by like, tre- like feet that are being uh, pushing down on our hearts. And still another way is just being caught up in sinful habits. Watch what we do. There's an old legend about a goblin horseman who galloped at night on this horse over men's fields and wherever the feet of that horse would touch, the soil was blasted and nothing would ever grow in that spot. Thus it is with the heart over which the heavy feet of lust, um, sexual influence, sensuality, selfishness, and passions are allowed to tread. They beat down the heart to the place of hardness and at the same time leaving a deadly influence upon the individual. And when the seed falls on that hardened soil, it lies uncovered. It's not sinking in and the watchful hungry birds soon come and pick it up. And just so does Satan do with the good seed that falls upon the hardened heart. He comes and he takes it away. And may not that not happen to us. May we be exalters of the word of God in an age when the church is becoming increasingly irrelevant to the daily lives of people, when the message of the church seems to be increasingly falling upon deaf ears, and when the truth is mocked as meaningless and unattainable, Jesus Christ speaks these words to us today as believers and followers and sowers of his gospel. Last week, we talked about the sower and the seed. And today, as we concentrate upon this first soil, May our hearts be spoken to. And as we take a look in the final moment today of some of the characteristics of the wayside soil, may God help us and may we concentrate upon the things of Jesus Christ and convict us if our hearts are becoming like that pathway. Wayside soil is soil along the path and or the road. And the characteristics, as I said, in Palestine, as, as we view this photo, much of the land is thin. It has a thin two or three inch veneer of soil over the limestone bedrock. And here some of the seeds fall and the warm sun quickly heats the seed up in the shallow soil and the seed sprouts in a, in a feverish growth. But the sun beats down and the plant's roots meet the bedrock and it withers and it dies. The soil it's hard packed and it's barren and it's uncultivated and unprotected and the pressure of the wheels, the countless feet that go over it, beat it down. The wayside heart, well, how do we develop it? Well, the word of God tells us that uh, we live in a shattered world. We live in a world that's falling apart and the constant and relentless pounding of a broken world sometimes leaves us with a wayside heart. It leaves us with a path heart. The pressures and the stress of people, jobs, hurts, uh, uh, mistakes, bad choices, and the list goes on and on. And it can leave our heart in such condition. 
the sinful, the sinful indulgence that we may commit our lives to, when sin captures and holds our heart, when brokenness becomes the way that we fall asleep every night and the strains of life, and when we stubbornly refuse to listen to God's word that he has created us and that God has left us with a, a heart that, uh, that can be cultivated and the seed can take hold. Stubborn disobedience. I know what God wants, but... And I know what God says, but this is the way that I want to do it. Unforgiveness can harden our hearts. Bitterness, hurt, failure, it often traps us in an endless circle of pain, an endless circle of victimization. And we are so angry that love cannot penetrate our hearts. Fear, fear of our heart can be embedded in our hearts in such a way that we don't want to let go. And God's word just does not enter in. Some can be stagnant in their Christian walk. God help us. And sometimes we've been around the church so long, we forget that we are the church. And we become stagnant. We act like full-grown two-year-olds, demanding our own way and pushing people down on the playground. May God help us that our hearts do not get hardened. So how do we change our hearts? I guess the easiest way that I can illustrate this to you is what I call a drag box. I have a drag box on the back of my John Deere tractor. And boy, the soil and the driveway at our property can really get trotted down. It can get beaten down. And so I sometimes call a friend. I call my friend Don. Say, come over and take my drag box and he drags that soil, and what the drag box does, it has sharp blades that tears into the soil. It lifts it. It turns it over completely. And as it does, it exposes a darker soil and, uh, that has not been seen in the light for a long time because it's trotted down. In this violent upheaval of these blades, they turn the soil over, exposing it and changing it forever. You cannot change and stay the same way. Faith that only touches the surface of your life is no faith at all. May God do a work in each one of us. May God turn that soil over in our hearts. Another way is to pray for rain. Pray for rain. Well, what does that mean? I love doing house calls. I love to go and pray for people. I love to go to the hospital. And I especially love these calls. I got a call the other day to go into visit a house because their 1960 Nash Metropolitan wasn't starting. Boy, I love those calls. So I go over and I see Judy Wacker and her car's not starting. I tinker with it for a few moments and all of a sudden music to the ears, like that beautiful saxophone today. The car's running. How did you do that? Well, I tinkered with it a little bit, and I got it going for you. Check today, and it's still starting up. But you know what? We can't tinker with our spiritualized folks. Sometimes we like to do it to make them run. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we simply must surrender to the reign of the Holy Spirit and pray for that reign to touch our lives. Pray for that rain to be magnified in our heart. Letting it penetrate us 
and filling us, not from within, but from without. God, send your power to us right now. Holy Spirit, come and rain down in my heart to make it ready to receive the word that you have for me. Beware of the wayside heart. Protect the seed of the heart. Do not get apathetic. Do not get lazy in your Christian walk, but protect it. Protect God's seed within our life. So Jesus Christ brings to this world seeds of spiritual things, plants them in our heart. May they take root. They are seeds of of, of life. They are seeds that want to reproduce, seeds that we see a hundredfold. In closing today, Jesus Christ is the greatest sower, but we are sowers also. Change our heart, God. Do a work within our lives. We should sow good seeds wherever we go. How do we do it? We do it with kind words, speaking kindly. We do it with sympathetic characteristics. We do it as words of comfort and cheer and hope. You can do it by writing a letter. You can do it by touching a person's heart. You can do it by leaving the 99 and going after that one, the one hoping that the word of God will multiply in that individual's life. We do it by scattering God's word. Let's be good influences for this world around us. Let's be sowers that will sow everywhere, just as the sower did, through the seed everywhere, realizing that some is going to fall on ground that's not going to take hold, but having the hope that maybe that little crack, it'll fall in and it'll multiply one, two, three, a hundred times because the word has taken hold. So today, I've described different soils. Which one represents your life? Which one is God trying to do a work in your heart with? Is the soil of your heart packed down? Is there a lot of baggage? Is it thorny? Is there a lot of rocks? May we pray, Lord, I give you my heart today. I want you to do a great work in it. Let's stand together. Let's make this our benediction of, uh, to the Lord that God is gonna do great things and then we're gonna close in prayer. Those of you that are at home, Stand and sing along, Lord. It's my desire to honor you. It's my desire that I bow down before you and every tongue shall confess. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love.